Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck, Medallia Company, and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Will Lopez, who is the VP of Customer Success from Phone to Action, is joining me on the podcast today, and we're going to be talking about the concept of creating an ideal customer profile and how the cost of servicing customers ties into that idea. Will has been actively working with his company's leadership team to make the strategic decisions about their customer base, and so I thought it would be interesting to get his take on this topic from the trenches. Will, thanks for joining me on today's show. Kristen, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Hey, before we dive into the topic, can you share your career journey and how you landed in customer success leadership? Definitely. Uh, I've been leading teams for close to 10 years now. Uh, and even before I had the uh, customer success title in my positions and in my titles, I always did customer success work. Um, I developed and implemented customer journeys, developed teams of people that were always thinking about the end client. Um, and always thought about the client experience in whatever role that I was a part of. Yeah. Um, before joining Phone to Action, actually, I was a client of Phone to Action. I used oh, the cool. platform. Yeah, I was uh, the fifth client to ever sign up uh, to Phone to Action. And I loved it so much that I joined the company. Um, since then, I've scaled the team from four people to over 20 people now. Um, we, we have different functions, we have different CSMs, we have, you know, a very diverse group of individuals that have joined the team. And, um, I guess customer success has been in my veins, uh, since the very beginning. That's great. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of people that come on the show, you know, talk about how even back in like high school, when they had jobs, they, you know, were doing things that were customer facing that sort of fed their career. So I always find it interesting to hear people's journey. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Phone to Action has a really fantastic mission as a company. Can you tell us a little bit more about the company and your mission and how you have your CS team set up right now? Of course, yeah. Phone to Action is an amazing place to work at and an amazing organization. We are the leading technology for public affairs and grassroots advocacy. So the way I like to describe it to folks who aren't very familiar with it is if you ever get a response or your friends that post on Facebook say, take action now, send an email to your lawmaker. Uh, we're most likely the platform behind uh, that service that you're using to send your email or your tweet or to make a call to your lawmaker. Um, our mission <laughs> is to empower organizations and individuals to reach and engage supporters and have them take action on cool. issues that are important to them. Um, so we work with some really incredible organizations like American Heart Association, um, which is a nonprofit. They work with us um, all the way to Lyme, 
they, they, we just came out with a really cool case study on the, the work that we're doing with them as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love, I love what your organization does. I'm sure everyone has probably uh, seen, seen you guys. They just might not have known they've seen you lately as the elections are coming up. Yeah. It's been a very crazy busy time for us yeah. uh, to say the least, but you know um, I know earlier you had mentioned how my team is set up and I like yeah. to kind of just jump into that. Yeah. So um, our customer success team is actually broken up into three main functions. We have our okay. customer success managers. They work okay. with our clients. They teach our clients how to use their software. They show them the value, you name it, executive business reviews and so on. Um, and then we also have our customer support team. Our customer support team handle any requests that come up regarding the campaigns that our clients are launching or any support items that they need. Um, and then last but not least, we also have our onboarding team, which we recently uh, started. And so these are the folks who are doing our implementation, our trainings, and getting people up to speed and started. So those three big buckets are, are the functions that we have in our team. Uh, and we're super excited with our onboarding piece. That's, that's brand new for us. So super okay. excited for that. Very cool. So I know in this interview, you're probably going to be using the acronym ICP quite a bit. Can you define that for the audience? Yeah, so ICP stands for Ideal Customer Profile. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's just the gist of it all. <laughs> okay, um, so let's dive in. So this year you started noticing some things that made you think that there might be a mismatch between the clients that fit your ideal customer profile, what was being sold, and what it was costing to serve those clients. Um, what prompted you to really dig into that issue? I, I kind of stumbled into it a little bit. Okay. Um, well, I, I think every CS leader, um, when you're scaling your group, and like I mentioned earlier, I went from a team of four customer success managers, including myself, all the way to now almost to a close to 20 person team, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the biggest thing for any CS leader that's working in an organization that has scaled as quickly as we have is that you want to get out of the micro and start thinking of the macro. And so, it really came out of just a really uh, simple question, which was what's happening with our clients or what's happening with our client base or the different segments of our clients. And it was, you know, me thinking about why do the clients renew or why are mm-hmm. clients upselling? Why are our clients downselling? Or even why are our clients churning or who are our clients that are churning? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as we've developed our customer success function throughout the years, that question has become more and more prevalent with us, especially as we understand what the ideal customer profile is for phone to action. Um, Now, a lot of that also required a lot of digging and a lot more analysis. And I think as we've scaled, we've also improved a lot of our data as well, which is super helpful when you're doing this type of analysis. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really came down to that and really understanding who are we bringing on on board? How do we service them? So that way, at the end, we can have really high retention rates, which every company or every customer success team wants. Right. So, okay, you started looking into this. And as you started analyzing the data, what were some of your most interesting findings? Yeah, outside of just how, you know, similar different groups of our clients used our software, what was a really eye-opening trend for me were how a group of clients with similar characteristics, um, and we're talking about platform utilization, revenue, market segment, fell outside of our ideal retention rates or utilization patterns. And so when you really break it up or break your clients up by different types of you know, characteristics and start grouping them together or putting different groups together to see what comes out of it, 
um, you really start seeing certain patterns that come along. The, the clients who fell outside of, you know, our sort of high retention rates or very steady retention rates, we started calling them our non-ICP clients or our, our non-ideal customer profile. And so I'll, you, you'll hear me use that term from, from here on out in different types of questions. But um, what, what we really wanted to see is how reliant those clients were on our service and our support um, and, you know, what were their retention rates? And what was really eye-opening was that that client base that fell outside of that, our non-ICP clients, mm-hmm. not only did they utilize a lot of our service and their support functionality, so our chat and our ticket system, um, but they also had very low retention rates. And so we started digging into that a little bit more. And, and that was like a trend that really unveiled what was happening with our clients and which segments we really needed to focus on. Yeah, and I think you were looking at a couple of different factors when you were, you know, trying to arrive at what was going on. You were looking at customers by their revenue level, customers by the ARR, and you were also looking at your um, verticals, right? Yeah, definitely. So it was it was really interesting. And Kristen, you've been amazing helping us out with this at the Success League. So shameless <laughs> plug for you guys. But oh, thank you. <laughs> um, one one thing that we really started looking at is thinking. I, I, you know, I I always remember what you and I had talked about earlier, which was yeah, you know, initially when you start out in customer success, there's like a two D way of thinking about your clients, and it's mm-hmm. normally ARR and logo. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so what really prompted a lot more of this was that philosophy of looking at your clients in a 3D model, which is ARR is great to start segmenting your clients, but that doesn't really tell you the whole picture. It's, you know, what is their platform utilization? That's more of the tail end. But Mm -hmm. before all of that, what is their revenue? What market Mm -hmm. segment? Are they a nonprofit? Are they a trade group? Are they a, you know, company, a Mm for-profit company? Um, And then also not only how they're working, but within each one of those segments, you know, what are the characteristics that really define that? What industry are they in? What focus do they have? Is this, mm-hmm. you know, it's advocacy brand new for them or not? And so we started playing around with the different segments and characteristics to really see where we, we were seeing the trends from our clients. Yeah, I think I think it's really important as you're thinking about segmenting and what is your ideal client profile to, to be thinking about customer behavior patterns as well as just revenue. Um, because, you know, and those behavior patterns are different for different kinds of companies. Some behavior patterns point toward, you know, the land and expand model and being able to grow that customer. Others, like you guys, it's around verticals and every vertical for you really behaves very differently and uses your product very differently. And so I think that was important for you guys to consider. Yeah, definitely. And that was a big shift for how we segmented our customer success team as well. I mean, um, I think for the most part, every industry is different. You Mm -hmm. have to really figure out who your clients are and what's going to work for them. But for us, you know, there was a lot of context switching that was happening between a nonprofit organization that uses your software a certain way Mm -hmm. with a trade group that uses your software another way. And so for us, you know, we've always had a motto, which is we put our clients first and that's on the front door of our office building as soon as you walk into our office. Um, and putting that kind of model ahead of, uh, you know, ourselves and our clients was really how do we best service these different types of clients that we're working with or utilizing our software? And it, it starts with how you model your team as well. And this is another part of the analysis, which we'll touch on a little bit later, but it's really about how do you best service the different types of clients that you're working with? Yeah. 
So let's let's move on to the cost of supporting clients. As you were considering that, what exactly went into the cost side of your analysis? Yeah, you, you know, looking at this data is great. I think you can get lost in the data for <laughs> yeah. the most part, right? Like you get numbers and spreadsheets. I always try to remind myself that the, that scene on The Beautiful Mind where all the numbers are, are sort of floating next to Russell Crowe when he's thinking about the algorithms and whatnot. And so yeah. you got to take a step back and really think about, okay, as a company and as a business, you know, how do we best service our clients? What other pieces of information is relevant, not only for my department and customer success, right? Because I love this stuff. I, I know which clients are great, which clients are not, which clients right. are going to move and whatnot. But also, how do how do you motivate other people and other leaders within your organization to start thinking about it as well? And so mm-hmm. one factor that really stood out was cost. And yeah. so, you know, for the most part, you're going to look at the same, you know, cost structure you know, for everyone else, which is, you know, your salaried employees for your customer success team, your support team. You're also going to think about, you know, variable comp fixed costs, like the services that you use to service these clients. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for some folks, it's, you know, Zendesk or Intercom. Other folks, it's like Atlassian or another type of ticketing system. And Mm -hmm. so you put those factors together to really drive, um, you know, the cost overall. Now, one thing that's a little bit different and something that we ended up doing that was a little bit different was um, we didn't, we didn't just apply, okay, how much does, you know, servicing our clients on a whole cost us across all of the clients that we have. Um, We actually segmented it a little bit. We looked at, okay, who's utilizing a lot more of our services Uh and how much of our cost is going to those clients and how much revenue do those clients bring in? And I think that's a better way and a more accurate and realistic way of looking at it than just Mm -hmm. saying, apply all of our clients, how much is it, how much does each client cost us? It's more of who's utilizing the most of our services? Do they have Mm -hmm. really good retention rates? And how much does it cost us to really service those clients? And that opens up a whole new can of worms for you and your leadership team. But um, I think that's, that's actually a really good way of looking at the data as well. Yeah, well, and I think it helps you pinpoint the segments where you're spending a ton of money um, supporting those clients and you're not making the revenue to justify it. That, yeah, that's, that's a very good way. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point there. I think, you know, you, you look at it in that context and you say, okay, where, as a CS team, you, you know, you're going to, I always try to tell people this, right? They always say uh, salespeople are sharks. They want to go out there, they want to sell, they want to <laughs> get things, right? I always tell people, CS people are very in tune with their emotions. They have a higher emotional uh, IQ, right? Mm-hmm. And I think on the surface, you know, when you're working with your customer success team or your customer success managers are responsible for a portfolio, they always want to say, no, 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 we want to support all of our clients, especially when you're, you're a scaling organization. As you're growing, I think you have to start realizing, okay, what is that balance between supporting all of our clients and providing them the best service? But at the same time, thinking about your company and the profitability of your company as well, what's going to work for us and what's not going to, you know, uh, cost us the bank either. So you want to make sure that you have a balance between that. If you're a CS leader thinking through uh, the different options of service for for your clients as well. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that's important not not to forget as you're thinking about that is you can deliver um, excellent service at different price points by incorporating technology and a digital program. And I know you guys have started to go down that road um, as well. And so, you know, you can think about how do you make the cost less 
um, of delivering services to those clients by automating it more. That's exactly it. Yeah. You, yeah. you come up with different types of options. And I think yeah. this is what going down the rabbit hole of data and ideal <laughs> customer profile and everything actually pulls out because you start having those conversations yeah. uh, within the company. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. If you like Strike Deck Radio, I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast, Reading for Success. Reading for Success is a short weekly podcast where I review books and articles on customer success leadership, break them down for you, and help you figure out whether or not they are worth your time. We will also be featuring author interviews from time to time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many of the other podcast platforms. I hope you'll join me for Reading for Success. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know I love data. If you want to create a data-driven customer success program, StrikeDeck's Pro Guide to Customer Success is a report based on a preliminary study of 5,600 CS professionals from nearly 600 companies. It highlights the scope of customer success and offers valuable data points to help CS professionals enhance their initiatives. Get access to it now and let data drive your decision making. We'll add the link in the description of this podcast. And now back to today's episode. So, Will, what were some of the other factors that went into your analysis or thinking on this topic? Um, there were several, actually. So outside of thinking about the characteristics from our clients, right, um, and depending on you know how your organization is structured, we started looking at the different departments as well. And so for us, okay. it's, I started looking at revenue that we were bringing in for the first time. So new business or new clients that were coming on board, who are we selling to? Right. Mm -hmm. and that was another piece of our client base as well. Once you start looking at your ideal customer profile, I think it's just natural for you to start thinking, okay, wait, from the clients that we have so far, or we've brought in this year, how many of them fit the mold and how can I start predicting for the future? Mm -hmm. And so I started using sort of our new business data as well. Um, and looking at who are the clients that are coming in and how do I provide them a best service or different type of service uh, that's relevant to them. That's number mm -hmm. one. The other part that I was looking at is also our servicing data. Like we use mm -hmm. uh, Atlassian's Jira and uh, mm -hmm. we're looking at our ticket data and we were saying, okay, who are we, who's the, who are the clients that are placing the most tickets or who are the clients, what type of requests are they looking for? or what type of items are they asking for in those tickets? That's mm -hmm. one segment of the data. The other piece that we do, which is a little bit different from what some of our other folks in, in this space do, is that we have, you know, uh, around the clock uh, chat service. So we have, uh, you know, someone on our chat team, or we have folks on our chat team that, you know, are available to answer any questions that our clients have in it in that and chat. Mm -hmm. And you know, we started looking at our chat data as well. Who are the clients that are using the most uh, of our chat service, right? Are they in mm -hmm. our ICP segment? Are they in our non-ICP segment? And you can mm -hmm. kind of go down the rabbit hole of that as well and start breaking down the client segments themselves. Something that was pretty interesting outside of just seeing that our non-ICP or non-ideal customer profile clients were using most of our services were that we had a go-to-market strategy with a certain segment of our client base, and we noticed that they were actually using a lot of our services as well. So that meant that not only were they our go-to-market you know, segment that we were going after, 
but they were also really in tuned and in touch and they needed a lot more support. So you're working with your product team and you're working with your engineers to give them that insight and say, hey, if we tweak one or two things, we can stop this type of level of service and actually provide them a better experience on the platform. So different factors came into the data uh, that I was using to, to analyze this. That's great. Um, so when you identify challenges like this and you do your homework, there are always a number of options for how to deal with the issue. And in your case, what were the solutions that you considered with your leadership team? Um, you know, we're still working through them. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so I wish I can say I have all the answers and everything. But, you know, I, I think the number one thing for us is if you're a customer success leader or you're a customer success manager and you're listening to this, I think. I think everyone here can agree. Okay, stop selling to bad clients or stop selling to the <laughs> non-ideal clients, right? I think that's the easiest and the most simplest form of a solution that you can come up with. The reality is, is it, it doesn't always work that way, right? right? And so what you want is you want to be able to, you know, encourage the other leaders of the other departments to start thinking about it in that way as well. And so you want to start pushing for, you know, other options that come out of it. So like I said, we're still working through it, but, you know, we've considered, okay, you know, what is the revenue threshold for our clients that's going to make the most sense for our business? Mm -hmm. um, how do we, you know, who's going to be utilizing our platform and how, what leniency do we have with that? The moment you have this data, you know, there's this really good sort of way of thinking about it. The moment that you have this data, you're no longer just the VP of customer success, you're really, you know, the VP of the customer experience across the entire organization. Um, mm -hmm. Because you're now working with the sales department and their leaders to really help them identify, hey, look, you know, these are the clients that will, you know, help us, you know, meet our goals by the end of the year. This is also going to help us with higher retention rates. Let's start focusing on those clients. And then you can go to product and engineering as well and say, hey, if we tweak this one thing on the platform or if we provide these different types of services on the platform, it can become more self-service and these clients can handle it themselves and we won't have to spend so much money on that segment of the, of, of the client base. It's really a conversation. It's ebbing and flowing with our, our leadership team now. But um, I think the, the most important thing for me right now is that we're in the middle of those conversations, which we wouldn't have had if we never would have looked at this data to begin with. Right. Yeah, I think this has opened up some amazing lines of communication in your company. And you're, it sounds like you're still at the point of, you know, considering trade-offs and, and options to move forward. Um, how, what's your, what's your game plan for moving forward? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I I'm going to repeat an advice I got last week, earlier this week from uh, a very sage person, <laughs> Kristen, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, um, you know, diagnose, don't prescribe. And so uh -huh. it's really about understanding the other team leaders. And so, mm -hmm. Right now, what I'm doing is I'm taking the opportunity to review the data. I have the data. I've looked at mm -hmm. it. I know it. I, I know it like the back of my hand. But now it's really about learning and listening from the other departments, their reaction to the data. What are they thinking about? How do they mm -hmm. see this? How does this impact their goals and their numbers when they need to you know, either hit a sales quota or they need to reduce the number of tickets that a certain mm -hmm. client segment is bringing in? And it's really a collaborative effort between all the different leaders. So I, I like to say I'm going on a listening tour the next couple of weeks to really get a better sense from the other leaders what's happening within their organization and how do we all find a middle ground that really not only aligns us 
with our ideal client profile, but even if it doesn't align us with our ideal client profile, what are we doing about our non-ideal client profile? And everyone has that vision and the same terminology. I, I will say this. One thing that's been super helpful about this is that everyone is using the same terminology now within the company and even in the leadership team. So oh, that's great. Which is great because you want them to start thinking about this. And when they're talking to their team or they're talking to, you know, their respective managers or whoever, everyone is using that language within the company to really identify, okay, who do we support? How do we best support them? What do we need to do? And and so, I mean, like I said, we're looking for the answers now, but mm-hmm. um, uh, if we do a follow-up podcast, I'll definitely uh, give everyone the answer <laughs> on how, what we ended up doing. <laughs> Actually, we should do a follow-up podcast on this one um, uh, because I, I think it will be interesting to see you know, how things shake out for you and then what results you start to see from from this conversation that you're now having with your team. Yeah, totally. You know, I one thing I, I've come to the conclusion is that, you know, you, you take a snapshot of your clients in a moment of time, but what yeah. you don't realize, and I think I've realized this now because I've done this for, you know, several months now, which is mm-hmm. this information also changes with the time that comes up, right? We're in the middle of COVID right, right now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, clients who may churn, but not because they're part of the wrong segment or whatever, um, you got to take those factors into consideration. So yeah. you got to revisit this information constantly and, and have this conversation and not be afraid to have these conversations with your leadership team as well. When you're thinking about, okay, who is our ideal client profile? What's our go-to-market strategy? Who are we targeting? How are we targeting those people? And so on. So don't be afraid to revisit this in three months, you know, if you start doing right. it today and having those conversations and having those conversations around what's changed and, and what works now compared to what didn't work three months ago. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, if someone in the audience is facing a similar issue um, where they sort of suspect that there's a group of clients that maybe isn't a good fit for their company um, or their product, how would you recommend that they get started on analyzing it? Is there anything that you wish you had or hadn't done as you were starting this process? I, I think the number one thing is, um, you know, if you're starting out this analysis and you are saying to yourself, like the, the reality is this, every VP or every leader of customer success is going to ask themselves, you know, you're going to have churn at one moment or the other. And you're probably looking at that number and saying, what is going on? How do I do this? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. why, why are we losing clients and stuff? And I think, that term or that quote that I've heard a long time ago, and it rings true, is that customer success is a company item, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, it falls on the customer success team to try to manage it as much as possible. But, you know, churn is a customer success problem. So is upselling, so is retention, and you name it. So what I've always thought about is, you know, if you're getting started on this, the first thing I would recommend that you start looking at is what are the characteristics that are mm-hmm. similar to each one of them? And like I said, each industry is different and each software is different, but begin by product utilization, begin by, you know, if you have a chat system, begin with how many people are using their chat or ticketing. If you have a certain industry that most of your clients are coming from, break that down even further. If it's mostly coming from communications, are they doing communications and mobilizing, you know, or are their employees using the software or are their customers using their software? Think about it in that context. Um, I think for the most part, once you start digging into your own customer data, you'll realize that there are natural patterns that come out of that. The second thing I would say that you should do 
Um, and something that I wish I, I would have done earlier is probably loop in other people. I, I really went down my own rabbit hole to, you know, start analyzing this. And I didn't expect to come out with this information. But, you know, involve the head of product, involve the head of engineering, the, the head of sales, or the head of marketing, you name it. Because these folks are interested in this data as well. And it'll be very insightful to kind of have them share their perspective as you, you know, you're analyzing this you know, as you go through, because you really want to hear what's impacting them and what's not. So something I would have done differently is probably involve other heads uh, or other leaders uh, in the beginning of like this data mining project that I did. Okay, that's great advice. Um, last question, and this is the one we ask all of our guests, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Um, you know, I don't know if it's uh, a trend per se, but I think the biggest thing right now that I've been seeing and something that I've seen on LinkedIn, and it has to do with COVID, unfortunately, but it's the don't push too hard on the sale too much, right? Like it's really get to understand and build that relationship with your client. And something yeah. I'm very proud of uh, at Phone Action and our customer success team is that, you know, the two questions that we're constantly asking our clients is, before anything else, we always ask them if we haven't connected with them, how are you and your family? Are you guys safe? Are you healthy? Mm -hmm. Right. And then the second thing is learn about them and hear how things are impacted their work. You know, I, I think every single day we go into, you know, if you're a customer success manager right now, you're probably thinking, how do I stave off, you know, churn from COVID or people who are downsizing or people who are removing this. But you got to remember those are people at the end of the day. And so yeah. the trend that I've seen is that, you know, a lot of people are saying, be compassionate and, and approach your work uh, in the next few months or even, you know, maybe into the next year um, from that point of view of compassion. I think that's super important. Yeah, I think I think the companies that are are having better luck um, keeping churn at bay are the ones who've done two things. Um, one, they're regularly demonstrating a return on investment to those clients. So those clients are very clear on the value they're getting from the solution. But two, they've built really solid relationships with their clients and they Agreed. haven't been neglecting them all along. So that relationship is there and it gets richer when you turn on Zoom and you can see through the camera that they have children running around and dogs <laughs> and cats in the background. And that yeah. level of um, personalization that has happened with COVID is making the relationships even richer if they were there to begin with. Yeah, so. be super patient. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, like you probably, I don't know if my my dog was barking cra like crazy earlier today, so I don't know if you guys heard him on the podcast. But you know, <laughs> even you know, I I always tell our CSMs, you know, what you don't want is you don't want to call from a client saying that they're going to have to churn because of COVID. You want to call right. from a client giving you a heads up that something might come down the pipe, and for you yeah. to be able to provide them offers and like solutions, exactly. and different you know options for them as well. And so I will say our customer success team has done an incredible job building those relationships and really having those rich conversations because it opens up the door for something else, you know? Yeah, that's great. Well, Will, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on the podcast today to talk about your project. I know you're not the only CS leader who faces that challenge, and I'm sure the audience was able to take away some really practical ideas from what you shared. So thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. And if anyone needs to get in touch, please feel free to shoot me an email at will at phone2action.com. The two is the number two. Um, and then, or you can just connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share what we find or even provide like a blog post update as to what we're doing in order to make sure that everyone in the company is aligned 
on this. Yeah, we, we should get you back on the show too as you get to some results on this. I think it would awesome. be great. Yeah, I'll be happy to come back. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. 